On Monday, October 23rd, late in the evening in Israel, 79-year-old Norit Yitzchak and 85-year-old Yochavet Lifshitz were released by Hamas terrorists to the custody of the International Red Cross and then taken to safety in Israel. The women had been forced from their homes on kibbutz near Oz on October 7th with their husbands and held hostage by Hamas in the Gaza Strip since that time. Both women left their husbands behind in Gaza. Such is the cruelty of Hamas. Throughout the day on Monday, Hamas first suggested they would release 50 dual national hostages. But they were criticized internationally for not prioritizing the elderly, babies, children, regardless of nationality. So they adjusted their crude psychological warfare tactics and released two frail elderly women dressed in similar shapeless purple smocks. In the short video clip of their handover from Hamas to the International Red Cross officials, Yochavet and Nurit appear very fragile when walking just a few steps. They require physical support to move. The Hamas terrorists oversee the exchanged, masked thugs with machine guns. They absurdly affect tenderness with the women, who were clearly instructed to hold the hands and arms of the terrorists for support as they walked. As Nurit and Yochevet shuffle, with support, to sit in plastic chairs, the Hamas savages pass each woman a paper cup of coffee. Yochevet and Nurit know they must take it. They must do their best to express gratitude, to make this look like a normal interaction between the terrorist thugs and the hostages. The Hamas terrorists could yank them back at any moment. So Yochevet and Nurit heroically try to force weak smiles of appreciation, but they cannot. As one woman is being assisted to rise from the chair in this grotesque theater and leave with the International Red Cross representatives, one of the Hamas thugs, fully masked, seems to force her to take his hand and to show some sort of mutual affection in this macabre leave-taking. She turns her head to look at him and tries to force the emotion she has been ordered to show. Her husband, after all, remains a hostage. We can be certain that she was threatened, that if she does not do as ordered and rehearsed, that her husband will suffer the consequences. This grotesque scene has clearly been rehearsed. And so she holds his hand and turns her head and says, Shalom, Salam, peace, in Hebrew and Arabic, a wan smile. She has clearly been told to pretend to be fond of the thug, but terror and coercion are all that one sees on her face. And then it is over. A day later, we now know that the hostages were held underground. 85-year-old Yochavet Lifshit said, they laid me on a motorcycle and beat me, put me in a tunnel, and stole my watch and jewelry. An 85-year-old woman. I am sure that the treatment and cruelty was a thousand times more vicious than these small details that have been approved for publication by the Israeli military censor. That the terrorists believe that such crude manipulation of helpless, terrified hostages may rehabilitate their global images 
from savages to humanitarians is just beyond. These are the same people who entered Israel on October 7th and murdered, maimed, butchered, tortured, raped, burned alive, decapitated civilians. And while they did so, they laughed. They celebrated. They took live video of their barbarism. They live-streamed the torture and murder of whole families on the family's phones to their friends. At least one called his mom and dad to boast of his murderous rampage, and they expressed deep pride. And yes, there is video and audio evidence of all of it. Hamas distilled the horrors of the Holocaust and ISIS into one day of incomprehensible barbarism. Speaking to State of Tel Aviv on this podcast is IDF spokesman, Lieutenant Colonel Jonathan Conricos. He made time for us at 3.30 in the morning on Tuesday morning in Israel, just after the two women had been released. And we are very grateful to him for his time and insights. We discuss with Jonathan Conricos the Hamas hostage issue and how it is impacting morale and decision-making in Israel. I'm Vivian Berkovich, former Canadian ambassador to Israel and currently a resident of the magnificent state of Tel Aviv. Stay with us. Lieutenant Colonel Jonathan Conricos, IDF spokesperson, thank you so much for joining State of Tel Aviv. It's, uh, gosh, 3.30 in the morning where you are. So really appreciate you making time for us. Thank you. It is a pleasure. I am doing uh, the night shifts of this battle of the narrative information that we find ourselves in. It's my job to uh, try to speak to audiences in the Western Hemisphere and the Eastern Hemisphere simultaneously. So I am uh, happy to be here and I appreciate the opportunity. It's great to have you and I'm uh, picking up on uh, the subtle suggestion that uh, you're not getting a lot of sleep these days. So let's get right down to it. We all saw with deep gratitude and uh, also a tremendous, on my part, tremendous amount of anger, the release of two elderly female hostages, Israeli hostages, by Hamas today. I watched the brief video and their husbands remain in captivity, being held by Hamas. I want to talk to you about the psychological manipulation that Hamas is clearly engaging in with respect to hostages and how they're handling them and they're releasing them. Yeah, I will. But we have to also zoom back and think about previous events with Israeli hostages, live and dead, being uh, held by Hamas. As we look at the current situation, which is unprecedented in our history, and I think in the history of any democracy, to have so many hostages in the hands of a terror organization. Uh, maybe the Shibuk girls, uh, Boko Haram, was similar in terms of magnitude, but this is, I would say, at a whole other level. Hamas planned all of this uh, meticulously. Hamas sent designated forces, their so-called Nukba forces, which is Arabic for select or elite, with specific tasks to breach, enter, search, kill, and abduct. And on top of that, they added mutilate and behead and rape and many other things and burn alive. But that was the mission as defined by Hamas seniors. So there's nothing of chance here. This is what Hamas meant to do on October the 7th. Uh, they came back and they took, we now can confirm that there are, until the release of these uh, elderly ladies, there were 202 confirmed Israeli hostages being held. 
the overwhelming majority are civilians, and we have women, children, babies. Uh, we have uh, Holocaust survivors. We have people with disabilities. We have people that are ill in need of medical attention, and many of them were wounded on the way. Uh, some of them were, some of the people that were taken from Israel were killed and discarded on the way and didn't make it into Gaza. Uh, and their bodies have been found on the way in, in, in the missions conducted by the IDF. So there's a multitude here of things, but clear, planned, and with a specific uh, purpose of gaining uh, some political uh, achievement for Hamas. The, everything is staged. Everything that will come out of Hamas-controlled Gaza is staged. Definitely everything related to these uh, hostages, uh, from the way that they are dressed, uh, from the angle of the shot, from what happens in a very scripted scene, which I am sure has been rehearsed once or twice, if not more than that, under coercion, duress, and uh, fear. And uh, what I think Hamas are trying to do is the overall strategic aim is, of course, to delay maneuver. That's what they want to achieve. When you say delay maneuver, you mean ground maneuver, Israel exactly. entering. Yeah. Okay. Yes. They, they see the troops outside. I think they understand how serious the situation is for them. And they're using one of the tools at their disposal, which are the hostages, and they're issuing false information that, oh, we're going to release 50, so we need to wait, and then releasing two, and, and they're stalling for time. Another thing is that, of course, they have a tremendous issue now, even in the Arab world, even with people who before that maybe were supporters of Hamas, maybe were sympathetic to their cause, People after that who have been watching the news for the last 17 days, very, very difficult to continue to support Hamas after seeing the atrocities of October the 7th. I think Hamas is aware, they're feeling that, and they're trying to perhaps do some kind of uh, damage control. Both of their statements made, the first and the second release, the first two women, mother and her daughter, US uh, or American Israeli, and now these two Israeli ladies that were released, the word humanitarian was front and center of the message that Hamas provided, which is, of course, as cynical as it gets. Even to have that word in the mouth, a Hamas terrorist is an abomination, but that is what they're trying to achieve. They're trying to improve their image after the atrocities, the beheadings, the mutilations, the rape, the uh, burning of people alive and all of the things that we saw that have been documented, proven, witnessed by so many people and seen by the entire world, now they understand that they have an issue. And holding hostages isn't a humane thing to do. And they are trying to mitigate that a bit. So we're in the first, very first stages of what I think will be a long, heart-wrenching and extremely taxing process where Hamas will try to leverage each and every hostage. I think that we will see not only the so-called humanitarian releases, Hamas will do uh, video uh, executions in order to apply pressure and shock Israeli society, shock Israeli decision makers and try to coerce them into other courses of action. And what we need to do in Israel is to be very focused steady and have a clear understanding of our aim 
a clear commitment to bring our people back and a very clear understanding of what needs to be done with regards to Hamas. So what is your aim? What is your commitment to bring people back? And what needs to be done with Hamas? The aim is to dismantle Hamas militarily. Okay. Militarily and administratively, which in plain terms means get rid of Hamas and make sure that at the end of this war, there is no military threat towards Israeli communities or Israel. So not a close distance threat towards communities and no rocket threat towards the rest of Israel. That is what needs to be achieved as defined by the war cabinet. And that needs to happen. How long will it take? It'll take time. It's not going to be a short, easy situation. It'll take us time. It's a very complex area. And it's an enemy that has embedded him in and under the urban terrain, has had a lot of time to prepare himself. And it's going to be a difficult fight. But we are ready for it. And and we will get it done. The uh, other component is to bring our people home. And uh, yes, there is an obvious tension between the two parts of what I just said. And I'm saying it in this order. We are going to dismantle Hamas and we're going to bring our people home. And no effort will be spared when it comes to bringing our people home. And these are the words of many, but specifically the words that carry the most weight are those of the Chief of Staff, Lieutenant General Hilti Alevi who said so, that we'll uh, not rest until they're home and that no effort will be spared until all of them are home. As we've discussed today, there were two elderly women who were released. Can you comment on that very staged and, in my view, grotesque video of the moment when they were passing from Hamas hands to Red Cross? I think it was a pathetic attempt by an ISIS-like organization that has just been that has just exposed itself to the world for what it really is, barbaric and monstrous, and staged a very wooden theatrical display of what they're trying to achieve as a humanitarian gesture. Uh, that is how I read it. I think uh, most people around the world with, uh, with the thinking switch on, we'll see right through it and take it for what it is. Propaganda of the lowest order and lowest quality and understand exactly what Hamas are trying to do. I'm happy to say I've been looking at the news and reading. I've been watching mainstream media and at least they're not parroting this time. They're not parroting Hamas propaganda and uh, giving praise for any humanitarian gesture by Hamas, but I might be surprised and disappointed again. Are you concerned with what is going on in Israel? This is not just another crisis. State of Tel Aviv is committed to delivering superb and candid analysis, and we're offering a limited-time subscription special, a 33% discount from the regular fee of $90 annually. One year for only $60. Stay informed and stay connected with State of Tel Aviv. We are a reader-supported enterprise. If you value our work, please subscribe. It makes a huge difference. Stateoftelaviv.com. All one word. Now, back to the podcast. Let me ask you, though, about future releases. We, we understand, and you've made clear, we're we're in for a long, gut-wrenching war and process. We are likely going to see 
some of the hostages executed in order to create leverage or to put pressure on the Israeli government to accommodate some of their demands. They're also working hard to sow discord within Israeli society. I know that already there is a significant hostage release movement that is pressuring the government. How does that play into policy and what the IDF may or may not do? That's a good question. And only time will tell. Of course, everybody in Israel are shaken and utterly disturbed and saddened to their core by the atrocities of October 7th and by the fact that we have 220 confirmed hostages in the hands of Hamas. It's an ongoing discourse in Israeli society, of course. Uh, I could say as a matter of reflection, without this carrying too much weight, but I can say as a matter of reflection, I think that the way that Israeli society looks at it now, this event, as opposed to the situation and other situations, the, the Hamas holding the bodies of uh, uh, Oron Shaul and uh, Hadar Goldin to an officer and a soldier that whose bodies were taken by Hamas after the ceasefire came into effect in 2014 and not released since, despite many requests, etc. I think Israeli society is looking at it a bit differently this time. And many people are aware of the very complexity that you yourself pointed out, the tension between the different parts of what needs to be achieved and really the strategic decisions that have to be made. And it's like the Solomon's Dilemma, right? We were looking at an extremely, extremely difficult situation. But the only thing I can say is that there is ironclad commitment to get the people home. There are how many children without their parents being held by Hamas? Yeah, they're hostages. We refer to them as hostages. Um, there are 30, 30 children. Some of them are really infants, like baby age. And uh, out of those, the oldest, I think, uh, 16 or 17. But from that age all the way down, 30. Do you have any information that you can share with respect to the conditions uh, hostages are being held? We've allocated a specific task force, uh, an, a, a national level task force headed by a reserve brigadier general and pooling the resources of all of the intelligence community, focusing specifically on that. We're also happy to receive the assistance of a lot of high-tech companies offering algorithms and computing power and brain power and creativity in mapping things together. So we're looking at that. We're looking at how they were taken, where they were taken to, where they were last seen or registered by any different sensor in the Gaza Strip, and patching things together, looking at different venues of intelligence. A lot of it, or everything of it, is extremely sensitive. So I, beyond that, I, I can't say too much. I can only say that there's tremendous resources allocated and it is a top priority. Um, and shortly, I mean, we assume that they are underground, held uh, by Hamas in uh, various locations. Know that uh, the majority of the hostages were taken and are being held by Hamas. Uh, my understanding, though, is there is a not insignificant number also being held hostage by Hij, Palestinian Islamic Jihad. Is that correct? 
Those are the reports, and that is what we understand. Uh, we, however, ho hold Hamas responsible for the entire situation, for the attack, for the atrocities, the murder, the killings, the rape, the mutilation, all of that, and for all of the hostages currently in Gaza. Hamas governs the Gaza Strip. Hamas initiated this terror attack. They were the ones who initiated the taking of hostages, and they are responsible. Reports a few days ago, maybe it was a week ago, that nine hostages, nine Israeli hostages, were executed. Is that verified? So there's been, I'd, I'd say, three important reports of releases of psychological warfare information by Hamas. One, which was on the third or fourth day of fighting, when we started bombing Hamas targets, bringing down office buildings and taking down residences and residents and offices of Hamas officials and doing a lot of stuff that they weren't very happy with. They issued like a crisis statement. If you don't stop bombing, then we will execute hostages and we will show it on video. We have continued bombing Hamas and we continue to hunt their seniors and strike their infrastructure and uh, all of the things that we are doing on, until today. Then they issued information that, and it translated into a report, that uh, 20 Israeli hostages had died due to Israeli bombings. That was like uh, four or five days after. Now this that you referred to, that they had been executed, if we put the three things together, psychological warfare designed to demoralize and destabilize, uh, we shouldn't take anything uh, at face value. We should immediately think, okay, what's the game here? What is Hamas trying to achieve? And never ever to trust them, to trust anything for what they say it is and understand that this is going to be a long process of psychological warfare where sadly Hamas will be using these hostages for every last, I would say, drop of political gain that they can. The women, elderly women who were released today, have also been, as we've discussed previously on this uh, conversation, reports that an additional 50 will be released later after the two elderly or was it a kind of time and then they had just ended up releasing two? What's the story with that? As far as I know, and I could be wrong because I haven't you know, done a deep dive into it, but what I understood was that the preliminary information was like uh, they sent a feeler or an indication that they were going to release 50. And then the information became apparent that, were, that it, they were actually only referring to. Maybe okay. they wanted to see the response. Maybe they wanted to understand the level of sensitivity. Maybe they thought that we were going to maneuver uh, like imminently right now and release that kind of a statement in order to stop us in our tracks. Many things are possible. Bottom line is that they said first that they're going to release 50 and then eventually only two were released. Just to be clear, a lot of bloodshed can be saved in Gaza. The lives of many Gazans can be spared. Gazan infrastructure and facilities, houses, buildings, roads, everything, a lot of that can be saved, and it can be saved by Hamas. If they make the decision to uh, release the hostages and to surrender unconditionally to Israel, I'm sure that will have a very positive effect on, on the situation, and I am definite that would mean saving a lot of Palestinian lives. So if Hamas really is the defender of Gaza and really care about the Gazan population, 
that would be the real humanitarian move to do. But you and I, we won't hold our breaths. And we understand that this most likely is not in the cards. We will have to go in and get the job done, which is what we intend to do. And at the end of this war, take it as long as it need take. We will have ended Hamas. And the aim here is not about Hamas. The aim here is to hear the beautiful sound of happy Israeli children laughing in the courtyards of their houses in Kibbutz Beri, in Nachaloz, and in all of the other beautiful communities that are now ghost cities. Children need to be back there. And that is really what needs to be achieved, and it will be achieved. Israel is strong, the spirit of Israel is strong, and we shall prevail over this atrocity as well. Some very good friends who lived at Nasatnoz uh, remains to be seen whether or not they'll return uh, a lot of time visiting down there. And I share your view. It's an absolutely beautiful part of the country. Um, we're going to have to see how this all transpires and how many people return. I want to offer you why I must thought from my end for your comment. What they were saying was they were going to release 50 dual nationals. And very clear signals. It's going to all be duals, mostly Americans, probably Brits and Canadians. Um, they shifted gears and they put they released two elderly women who are only Israeli. They only have Israeli nationality. And so there's a little, you know, they're they're triggering, they're trying to tweak in there and say, see, we're not, we don't hate Israelis, we're compassionate, we're humanitarian, it's not just the duels. Any words for me on that one? I think you're spot on. That is exactly how I read it, uh, because they heard the the critique as well that uh, Selectia selecting only the dual nationals and prioritizing Americans. I think they heard that loud and clear and they're responding to it. And I think uh, your analysis is correct. Well, that's a great note to end this interview on. <laughs> Thank you so much for your your time, your insights. Fascinating. And uh, we're going to this out so that uh, North America can hear it when they wake up in the morning doing the hard work and the great work. And I do so many people around the world, Jewish and not Jewish, wish you every success not just in destroying Hamas, but in getting those innocent hostages out and to safety as soon as possible. Thank you, Vivian. I appreciate it. And I thank you for this opportunity, this interview. And I wish you success as well. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the State of Tel Aviv and Beyond podcast. We'll keep the dispatches coming as frequently as we can. If you like what you're hearing, Please take a moment, rate us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. You can check out our full library of articles and podcasts at our website, stateoftelaviv.com. State of Tel Aviv is an independent media venture, and we rely on subscribers to support our work. If you are not yet a paying subscriber, please consider taking the plunge today. Each person really does make a huge difference, especially in these very challenging times in Israel, it is important that you stay informed and current and seek out a range of perspectives. This is a pivotal moment in Israeli history. It is not a time to be passive and disengaged. Thanks for sticking with me to the end. I'm Vivian Berkovich, signing off from deep inside the state of Tel Aviv.